Hello, this is Tom Pasello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast sponsored by Mediafly, the Evolve selling company. Our mission is to provide you with the practices, tools, and advice to accelerate your sales, content, and value enablement journeys. My guest today is Jeff Collins. He is the Senior VP of Value Engineering for business spend management firm, Coupa. Jeff has over 20 years of experience working with companies across industries to discover and realize business performance, value outcomes, and competitive advantage through strategic investment. And he has a PhD in economics to boot. So who better to talk value with than a doctor of economics? Evolvers, please welcome Jeff Collins. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Um, first, I love the tagline for Coupa, value as a service. Um, I think I know where this came from, but can you tell us a little bit about that? Value as a service. Yeah, uh, that came from our CEO, Rob Bernstein. And uh, I think when you are in a very competitive space like we are, uh, you're looking to differentiate yourself. And what's interesting is when, when we started, when Coupa started, and as you're building technology, um, a lot of times the competitors that have been around a lot longer than you have, have a lot of bells and whistles, right, associated with their software. And uh, when they compete against you, they like to point out that they have this particular bell or that particular whistle. And the question I think that, that companies should be asking when they make investments is, how much value are, am I going to get out of a particular uh, solution, right? How, how much value am I going to realize from that solution? And that's why I think uh, we are hyper-focused on value and value realization is that we know that we may not have all the, certainly back then we didn't have all the bells and whistles. It's a much richer solution today than it was then. But if our, if our prospective customers focused on value, they were going to choose Coupa because we were going to deliver more value. Yeah, absolutely, which is part of what your practice is all about. And I think that um, Rod had a book called Value as a Service, correct? He did indeed. Yeah, yeah I remember going it, to headquarters and seeing the stacks of them there and it's a good calling card. It's a good read. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. So your education is in economics. And as we said, you've got a doctor in economics research. Um, how did you transition and find your way to business value from economics? I mean, it's not that far off, but certainly yeah, not a straight so, path. So I, I had been a professor for, I don't know, a dozen years or so. And at some point you get tired of writing papers that nobody reads and mm -hmm. um, teaching principles of economics to kids that would prefer to be somewhere else and perhaps aren't as, as interested in the topic as you are. And um I had an opportunity to go into software and start a value engineering practice at a company called Pros, P-R-O-S, which is in the revenue optimization space. Um, and uh, the thing that really attracted me to technology was uh, a couple of things. First of all, interesting questions, right? The application of math to business problems has always been something I've been very interested in. And um, the one of the things I love about academia is the, the, the diversity of the people that you work with, right? A lot of smart people from all over the place. And uh, software is very similar. Lots of smart people from all over the place. Um, so it was a pretty easy transition and uh, in many ways a bit more rewarding um, than the classroom was sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, the ability to 
create a value engineering program from scratch, I'm sure that helped a lot where you're able to create something from nothing, which I know you've done an amazing job at Coupa as you run the global business value engineering group there. Tell us about you know, your journey at Pros and kind of how that led you to Coupa and then tell us about your group over at Coupa. Yeah, so um, the the pricing space, pricing is a, is an art and a science, right? It's a, it's a very data-driven exercise. And uh, Pros is an interesting uh, business model. Uh, it's, a, it's execution software, but then it's also um, uh, data science applied to pricing uh, and really uh, trying to um, provide uh, uh, a set of prices to field sales for B2B transactions. Um, and the, the idea is that if you can provide better pricing uh, that's sort of informed, cl something closer to the customer's willingness to pay, mm -hmm. uh, you can obviously uh, increase profitability, um, which is, you know, all, every, every price is an interesting way, lever of, of moving profit because every increment to the top line flows directly to the bottom line, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but the problem is that uh, it's not always easy to explain math to executives. And so, the, my role there was really to translate the math into business value, and that was a that was a very interesting problem to solve. And then uh, once I realized how much I enjoyed the software space, uh, the and I and I realized that I, that I wanted to make that my career. Then the next question is, you know, what should be the next step? And I've always managed my career in sort of three to five year increments. And I realized that probably the biggest efficiency working with pros is that the company's headquartered in Houston, not a hotbed of, of software, right? There are some software companies down there, don't get me wrong, but it's just not the ecosystem that I was looking for. And so when I decided that I wanted to, again, make this my career and, and think about what would be next for me, I realized I wanted to be at, uh, you know, uh, a, a Bay Area, a Silicon Valley area software company and build that network. Uh, I was fortunate enough to um, have a former colleague who had gone to Coupa recommend me and had, you know, the requisite conversations and realized this was a, it was a, it was pre-IPO, but it was a, it was an interesting space and not, um, first of all, big uh, total addressable market, mm -hmm. uh, really solid executive leadership and, and really good tech. And so uh, I was the third value engineer that had been hired by Coupa. Uh, it's about six and a half years ago now. So um, that that journey began uh, as an individual contributor. Uh, we, um, I think probably my biggest contribution at that point was thinking about the modeling of, of the value proposition and building more sophisticated models. So like most people that do this job, you know, we have a, have an Excel-based uh, ROI model that embodies really our intellectual property around uh, translating software capabilities into measurable financial impact and uh, spent a lot of time sort of building out that model, thinking about all the ways in which the solution created value. Uh, and then about three, about th a little over three years ago, the opportunity to, to uh, lead the, the global team became available. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, to uh, be given that responsibility and uh, it has been a tremendous ride since. And, and the, the, the work that we've done, the advances, the innovations that we've, that we've done, some of which with, with yourself, uh, I think were really solid. Um, and, and 
our goal is to is to lead in the way that uh, people that do this job think about how you um, quantify value and how you articulate that that value uh, to prospective customers and and existing customers, quite frankly. Yeah. Now let's get into some of the elements of the program that I think are a little bit unique. One of them is how early you're able to engage with value and the ability to that where you proactively send proformers or estimates out to customers and do it in a factory kind of setup. Talk about that a little bit, Jeff, because I think right away that that has been first of all, very successful from what I understand. And second of all, um, innovative, because not everyone does it with the first outreach. They're usually you know, involving value very late in the cycle just to satisfy the CFO sign-off. Meanwhile, you guys are using it as yeah. the first touch point proactively. Again, it's value as a service, right? So yeah. um, we do lead with value. Uh, it isn't about the technology, it's about how we can improve a customer's business. And one of the things that's important to be able to very early on start to describe to a prospective customer is the ways in which their business will be impacted by a potential solution. And so whether, I think all of us realize when we throw over the fence of an initial hypothesis of value that it is, it is, a rough estimate, very, very directional, you know, uh, oftentimes built from sort of an outside end view of the customer's environment. We know that it's wrong, but what we want to do is under, uh, give the customer a directional understanding of potential value, but more importantly, the ways in which value would be created for their, for their organization. It's at that point that, you know, once, once you, you lead with that sort of uh, pr- a bit provocative sometimes maybe, but uh, that, that, that value argument, uh, then we can start to form a relationship, a partnership where we're going to actually do the heavy lifting to drill down into what is realistic and and defensible, right? So again, it's, it's meant to uh, provide a, that that initial hypothesis of value. And it's also meant to educate the customer on how value is created with a Coupa solution. Yeah. And rather than emailing them and saying, hey, we've got a new release and here's the list of features, which we get a lot of outreaches from LinkedIn, or hey, can I demonstrate to you the latest version? You're saying, hey, I I took a couple of the key financials that are publicly available and um, plugged them into this value modeler that we have. And here's a hypothesis of the value that we think we can deliver. Some of the cost of doing nothing and value of change. What do you think? I, I love that approach. Yeah, you're spot on. You know, it's uh, the the other thing that's an important uh, piece of this is an understanding of what other what what is best in class look like, right? What do other what other companies been able to achieve um, with with you know the 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 solution? And it is about solving uh, problems or or taking advantage of opportunity, right? It isn't about selling bells and whistles functionality. That the functionality is just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And so um, we are, and we, we talked a little bit about, uh, the, about the journey, right? My value engineering journey. And one of the things that I have been hyper-focused on is utilizing data to understand where there's opportunity. And so um, it, even, if that's, even if that's just uh, a company's uh, financial filings where we can look at 
some you know some financial ratios and ask the question are 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 these is this particular company performing on par with their competitors or or is there an opportunity to improve if there's an opportunity to improve then let's have that discussion about how could we maybe help you improve right how can we make you more competitive against your peers yeah and that's a view that i know we were able to help you instrument which is leveraging standard and poor capital cap iq data um, be able to do head-to-head -head peer comparisons. So if you're going to visit with uh, Bank of America, you can pull up their financials, stack it head-on against others and say, here's, here's how you're stacking up your best-in-class or worst-in-class here and there, and we think we can help. Exactly. Yeah, a great way to engage as well. So part of the challenge that I know a lot of folks run into is, you know, that's the first engagement piece, but now you've got to sell with value and you've got to kind of collaborate with the customer on value. A lot of times we find that sellers are maybe sometimes like the students that you had where they may not be of that financial mindset all the time. Uh, you know, somehow they're able to calculate or, you know, as a seller able to calculate quotas and uh, commissions down to the fifth decimal point, but when it comes to customer value finance, tend to have a blind spot in a lot of ways. How have you been able to successfully scale business value beyond just the value engineers that you have to have sellers do this day in and day out with customers? Yeah, so um, we, we provide uh, a set of tools and enablement to uh, sales because uh, scale is is obviously critical. We've grown as a company very rapidly, and I can't add heads uh, as as quickly as we grow. Right? It's just that simply that that's not. It's hard to. It's as you I'm sure know. Talent is probably the biggest uh, uh, short in terms of resource. That's the that's what's most in short supply, and so we have to find ways of taking that that intellectual sort of understanding and disseminate it across the sales organization uh, really as a multiplier effect for the value engineering team. And um, we've been really uh, successful at doing that. Uh, within Coupa, obviously we, uh, we engage across a, a very wide swath of, of um, the marketplace from relatively small companies. And you know, here we're a couple hundred million dollars a year in revenue uh, up to very large companies, um, you know, tens of billions of dollars a year. And the, the, there's no way that we can directly support uh, all of those opportunities, particularly in companies that are in the, in the sort of smaller market segments. And what that means is we need to provide the tools and the enablement that sales uh, needs to be able to tell that, that value story when they don't have you know, someone like myself in the room to help them tell the story. And that's where I think, um, you know, we've, again, Coupa, like all software companies, sends out win wires, right? Hey, we won this account, and there's a description of what it took to win the account. I don't think I'm more proud of any uh, of our efforts than when I read a win wire where all of the support was indirect, but the, but the, the uh, account executive is specifically calling out the support they got from value engineering to build their own business case and deliver it in a credible way. That is, that is a, that, that I think is, is something that makes me feel like I'm really doing my job. So the tool 
really good experience, easy to use. I feel like even though I don't sell Coupa every day that I could open that up and be almost an expert Coupa seller using it. So I think that's an important element. There's the softer elements though. How did you, how do you get, how do you get sellers excited about business value? How do you kind of stay in front of them? How do you coach and support them? So what are some of the softer elements that you've introduced on the enablement side to make sure you've got this coverage and scale? Yeah. So um, there's a, there, th this is, you know, it's pretty classic, right? You know, why do anything? Why do anything now? Why do it with Coupa? Mm -hmm. And the, I think sales reps are good at forming relationships. Uh, you know, they're, they're good at uh, coordinating activities. They're good, I think, at peeling the layers back to uncover, li listen for the right words to uncover where there might be opportunity. But ultimately, someone has to put pen to paper. And that paper is, you know, figuratively or sometimes literally, I suppose, is a check. And that person who's got to put pen to paper wants to know, uh, as, one of, as one of my former customers said, is the juice worth the squeeze? Because it isn't just, you, you and I both know, it isn't just the, the, the cost of the, of the software licenses or the implementation costs, but there are change management challenges whenever you introduce something new. And, and you know, the, the, the customer uh, has all of those things in their head. And there's the, and some of them are known and some of them are unknown, right? It's a very Rumsfeldian world we live in, right? Known unknowns and unknown unknowns. Those things sort of uh, create risk. And, and in order to overcome both the known costs and the unknown potential risks revolving around change management and business disruption, disruption the things that, that occur with a, a technology investment, um, there has to be sufficient value. And this is where, as a sales rep, I need to be able to articulate to the customer that the, the value is real, it is achievable, people like you, customers like you, by the way, have achieved this value. These are the ways in which you're going to achieve the value. And by the way, we're a partner in helping you measure the realized value. So it isn't, we're, we're, you know, a lot of times business cases become uh, uh, something that shelfware, right? It's it, you, you work on it, it sits on a shelf. Nobody ever goes back to it until, uh, well, in a SaaS world, until a renewal. And they say, you told us we were going to get X. We don't see X. Where is it? Right. Mm -hmm. We don't see it in our financials. Where is it? And, uh, you know, if we do a solid job up front of articulating value, we're true partnership with the, with the prospective customer. Um, they believe it as much as we believe it for them. Uh, and then we partner on quantification after the fact. Uh, that, that is, a, that, and then we were talking about, you know, in innovation, I started off talking about innovation. To me, that's the, that's the sort of the, the ultimate place I want to get to, which is in this, this sort of benevolent, benevolent spiral of accurate measurement of value, uh, quant, accurate quantification of realized value, which then informs the, the, the quantification of potential value. And that then becomes a sort of a, a, a benevolent spiral of, of goodness. I don't know if they would have put it. Yeah. No, I love it. And, you know, one of the things I've seen Cooper do really well is the evidence part. Um, you know, especially today, customers are in this amygdala overload condition and they're amplifying the risks and costs of the solution and kind of discounting perceived benefits just naturally. And I think having great evidence, great case studies, success stories is key. Um, your success stories literally have your customers holding up 
pieces of paper and you know on the piece of paper basically big checks that say here's how much you saved me here's how much uh you've impacted my key performance indicators how the heck have you been able to accomplish that and i don't think i don't know if it's your group that's done that but i am in awe of your success story videos those those pictures of customers holding up big checks i can think of nothing more effective than that yeah we've had we've even had some customers um publicly traded uh, on earnings calls call out the success of the investment and not I mean that's a that's obviously a level um, of validation that's hard to come by right I've been in software for now about 13 and a half years and and uh, getting customers to be willing to particularly when you're talking about saving them money right to be able to uh, stand up and in, in, a, in a public fashion talk about the impact of the solution on their business. Uh, that is a that is unique and and one of the things that I think is really special about what we've been able to achieve. Um, how do we do it? Uh, well, uh, there is a there is a relationship to the work that the value engineering team does because our customers are informed about the 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 ways in which the software impacts those KPIs, those key performance indicators. Mm -hmm. um, one of the the innovations that I'm I'm really excited about is uh, in the past the quantification relied on uh, the customer internally figuring that out for themselves. Right, um, we certainly were there to help, and our customer success organization worked with the customers to to identify that. But it wasn't something that was baked into the technology. And uh, it, with our most recent release, we now put the customer's business case into their instance, and as transactions flow through the platform the impact of Coupa on the quality of those transactions is captured and uh, in real time can be reported out through dashboards that, you know, people who've done this work, right? People who are value engineers, that's always been sort of the holy grail, yeah. which is, is to both the, the, the value um, uh, the estimation side, but then the value realiza realization side, right? Being able to to tie those two things together, what I was just talking about, uh, is unique. And I don't know that there, there may be others doing it. I, I'm not, I obviously don't have full information, but um, I think it is relatively unique that uh, that a software company is willing to put a customer's business case in their instance and and provide real time uh, quantification of realized value. Yeah, Jeff, it's absolutely rare. Um... I think that it is the holy grail where you're instrumenting the application itself to measure the key performance indicators. The good thing is you can. Uh, there are certain applications where you can't, where it's a downstream impact that's being formed and you don't have insights into those downstream impacts. But for you, you can calculate the discounts and, and things like that that they're getting and the, uh, the efficiency improvements as well as the spend improvements. So I, I love that. And I think it takes out part of the challenge with implementing realized ROI for many is it's subjective in a lot of instances. You've got to come back and survey people and get their feelings for, well, where was the metric before and where is it now? And maybe asking several people or dozens of employees or hundreds of employees what those metrics were before and after, and you never get the true actual measure. And you've instrumented the app to do that measurement for you. And the reports are right there. Yeah, we're really fortunate. I, if I if I were to juxtapose this situation to say the situation at Pros, um, I can still remember uh, customers saying to me, you know, we would we would recommend price out to the, the field salespeople, 
And we would, after the fact, say, see, you're doing better. And, and salespeople would always say, well, how do you know I wouldn't have priced there anyway? Uh, and, and of course you could go, well, we could look back at your historical data and show you that you weren't, you never did it before, but sure, maybe you would have done it now. Um, it was more difficult to prove uh, in a mathematical fashion, right? In, in a way that I think CFOs would, would be willing to accept uh, the realized value where um, because of the nature of the solution, we are able to quantify realized value in a way that, that um, is defensible and acceptable to a CFO. Yeah, absolutely love that. Now, what I want to do is pivot a little bit, uh, you know, doing business globally, I think you're in a unique position. And as we go region to region, a question I get a lot of times from other value leaders is, and just value engineers, what are the differences that you see globally in the business value approach, how buyers are making decisions, how you can do a business value analysis with them? Do you get pushback differently on metrics or other aspects of the business case as you go globally? Yes, is the short answer. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Can I provide that answer to this? No, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a good question. Explain it to I, me. Uh, yeah, so whenever you um, quantify value, uh, there, there, um, there are a couple of ways in which to answer this question, but uh, the first is whenever you quantify value, you are uh, dependent upon benchmark data, right? And the question is, what is the the, the willingness regionally of, of someone to accept benchmark data. Um, mm. and, and it's a question of, well, are these, are these benchmarks from people from businesses in, in my region? Mm -hmm. right? Or are they benchmarks from uh, folks in my region and in my industry, right? And before you know it, I mean, if you start slicing and dicing, before you know it, you're at a, in a sort of what I would refer to as a small numbers problem, right? You know, you know, it's hard to benchmark. First of all, it's hard to, hard, hard to convey benchmarks when you don't have uh, statistical significance. You don't have enough uh, activity customers to, to, to build those benchmarks. And I think this is true for even the biggest of software companies. They, if, you, if, you end, if you slice and dice the data enough, you end up with this problem no matter what, right? You're N of one. Yeah. And, and that can be, you know, if, if you have someone in a customer's organization that, that um, I know this is a regional question, I apologize. Uh, mm -hmm. But what I'm suggesting to you is that uh, if your business is predominantly in the Americas and you have a lot of benchmark data, then you can kind of overcome it. The other thing I would say is in the Americas, people I think are more willing to accept benchmark data. Um, the, I think it's, it's, it's a, a tougher sell in EMEA uh, quite frankly, where we see um, a couple things. The benchmark data, the, there's, I think there's more skepticism. There's also uh, less willingness to share uh, data, customer data with us. Um, and, and, and customer data is where, I mean, that's where the, the jewels are, right? That's where, that's where the real insights come from. Uh, so, and then in, in, in Asia, uh, I, there's there's certainly I think at the country some, some big differences. Um, there data privacy in enemy is obviously a bigger concern. In, in the U.S., customers more than willing to sort of engage. But um, so I, I, and I would be shocked if those aren't similar um, uh, uh, sort of experiences to other folks that work with you, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I think the other thing I'll add about Asia is that, you know, the relationship between the analyst and the company matter. 
um, it's relationship first oriented there and a better relationship will lead to ultimate. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we spoke about scale before and your ability to scale the program at Coupa has been outstanding. Um, to grow your value engineering team, you mentioned some of the challenges. What are you finding in terms of where do you find great value engineers today? How hard are they to get? Uh, and where are you looking in the future? Uh, so um, I put a lot of value on having a diverse uh, set of backgrounds within the value engineering team. Uh, the, the obvious sort of backgrounds are people who've worked in technology as value engineers and in our space, right? Yeah. Those are the those are the those are the plug and play people, and you, there's a lot of value to having folks that have that pedigree. However, I also think that um, you gain a lot of value by having practitioners. So people who, because our software is business spend management, people who have been in, you know, at, worked um, in procurement, worked in strategic sourcing, worked in, you know, these have have utilized this type of technology in their day-to-day, -day, um, they come with a very particular perspective, which is really valuable. And then it's also valuable for us to have people who come from uh, strong consulting backgrounds where they've worked with companies. So my, the, the perfect person who sort of had a, had a foot in all of those realms at maybe one point in time, uh, they're hard to come by, right? Um, and then obviously we, we put a place a lot of value on other, other more obvious forms of diversity. But uh, the, when, when for value engineers, uh, I am constantly amazed at the quality of the applicants. We have really strong people who've done a lot of interesting things um, you know, been CPOs before or done things that you just go, um, sorry for the acronym, Chief Procurement Officer, yeah. for those, for those, for people who listen that don't, that isn't a familiar term. Uh, I'm really amazed at the quality. And then the, I think the most difficult thing is figuring out which person fits the culture, because uh, what I really want to do is maintain the culture that we have with, um, you know, with whomever we hire. Uh, and then to, to scale, um, the, we ultimately had to think about value engineering as, um, the sort of that, the field value engineers, which I think most people are familiar with, but then also creating a, a center of excellence around data analysis, because again, going back to what I said before, the most compelling value our arguments are rooted in the customer's reality, which you find through their, their, their data in our case, their spending. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And I think that more often, if you can look for practitioners and some of those business leaders that ultimately were your customers, I think there are some hidden jewels there, as opposed to looking for experienced value engineers, which are a rare element nowadays. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, the, the people that we've gotten from, you know, uh, obviously you don't poach your, your customers, but folks who have come to us, uh, they have added a, a level of industry expertise on top of sort of domain expertise, right? Which has been really valuable because in the, in the end, um, they provide sort of cross-pollinization uh, across the entire value engineering team. And if you have a very collegial team, 
you can, there's a, there's a lot of sharing of knowledge and people through email saying, Hey, has anyone else ever had this experience or worked in this industry? And, uh, you know, the, I guess it goes back to the academic roots, right. But I very much value collegiality. It is one of, from a cultural perspective, uh, one of the traits I put the highest value on. Yeah. And I love the ability for a practitioner to storytell about their own experiences, which is just the credibility you can't get if you're coming at it as a management consultant a lot of times. Um, what's next on the horizon for the business value program and, and your vision? What's next to tackle? Yeah, so we, we've put our, put our toe in the water of value realization, but there needs to be, we need to do more work there. Um, Koopa, so, so the number one sort of, as I think about where we're going is building out that understanding of value realization, building out our benchmarking practice, um, working with our customers, uh, in a really collaborative fashion, because in the end, everything we do should benefit them, right? We're, we're in the business of ensuring customer success. So I need to know what does success look like for our customers? Where are the deficiencies? How can we help them? Uh, there's the, the team, uh, given the rate of growth within Coupa, as we grow uh, globally, obviously the rate of growth in some of the, um, some of the other markets, uh, Latin America and Asia partic particularly, um, you know, I, we're going to need to add resources there and build out the the, the tools and the competencies within the, the sales organization. So that's certainly uh, a major area of focus. And then the last thing I would say is um, Coupa has been both uh, growing through uh, internal development of new software capabilities, but we've also acquired a lot of capabilities. And every time you have an acquisition, um, as, as I think the people that work for, you know, it has an impact on our tools and a lot of, right. And so, uh, we immediately, and, and I don't think that's going to stop. I think that's, that's who we are. That's in our, that's in Coupa's DNA. And so, um, although I don't have visibility into what might be coming next, I know something will be coming next and I need a team that is nimble enough to absorb the, the, both the, the, the people that come with an acquisition, right? But then, uh, and also then uh, we wanna have um, unified uh, processes globally, but that means also across all of the acquired companies, right? So we wanna make sure that they think about value the way we think about value, that, that our tools reflect the, the value that the new functionality delivers to a prospective customer. Um, all of that means there's a lot of work that, that has to occur every time you acquire someone. And even if the customer is relatively small, it, it, so the people part of that isn't as big. If the functionality creates a, a value in a novel way that, that we have to really drill into and think about, um, it creates challenges, right? And I mean, now we, we still have to engage with our existing customers and, and keep the, the, all the balls in the air. So that I guess the last thing is scale, right? How, so how do you scale when you have such a dynamic uh, um, workplace? Yeah, I agree. And a lot of times, you know, the companies that you are acquiring weren't set up as a value as a service in a lot of instances. So culturally, they might not have the same value focus that you've had. Um, that can be a challenge and that you're grabbing the ball on something that isn't probably as capable and mature as what you have yeah i would say th these are fun challenges to have though right yeah. they're, 
that opportunities. I, I don't know if you recall, but when we started talking, I said I managed my my career in three to five year increments, and I've always kind of believed that if you've been someplace three to five years and you and you don't you're not learning anything new, you're not being challenged, it might be time to move on, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been at Cooper now six and a half years, and I am constantly challenged. <laughs> it's uh, it, there, there's never a dull moment, so uh, I I can't see myself going anywhere anytime soon. Awesome. Well, we love having you there and collaborating and working with you. What's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our Evolvers community with today, Jeff? Um, well, I, I, I need to make an assumption about the what the interests are of the folks listening. But for me, um, the and this this is from what I do for myself, and that is continually challenge yourself on how you articulate value, right? And and by putting yourself in the position of the customer, what is it that the customer needs to know, right? In order to understand whatever it is you're selling, how it's gonna impact them. And uh, so I, the, that, that focus on innovation and, and being truly customer centric, I think is, those are the things that I personally think are very important. And that's what I would share with uh, anybody who was maybe uh, breaking into this, this space. Yeah, and we love the the kind of different perspective where you know keep challenging the value assumptions, the value drivers, the challenges that you think the customer's having, because they're going to change and evolve, and hence the term evolver. So we love to have a growth mindset like you're espousing, Jeff. Uh, how can the evolvers community find and reach you? Uh, the, it's easy. Jeff.collins at Coupa.com. It's that simple. So J E F F dot C O L L I N S at coupa.com. Awesome. And we will also include your LinkedIn in Great. the show notes, Jeff, so folks can find you. Man, thank you so much for joining, sharing your journey on creating value and Coupa's journey and how you're kind of fulfilling value across the life cycle. Please be sure to follow and like us in your podcast. So punch that follow button. And as always, evolvers, please keep evolving. Thank you. Thank you.